0: From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine, LD at Large. I hope you're all enjoying the back page. I am here today in uh, social physical isolation in just outside Windsor, Ontario. I thought today would be a great day to talk to my good friend, Drew Mercadante. He is the video and lighting designer and programmer at LXVX Design. I wanted to reach out to him because I recently put out an article about how people got into the industry and he reached out to me, and he has one of the most interesting origin stories. And I had no idea until we started talking, and I thought it would make a perfect podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time, Drew. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've been watching you uh, put out a lot of amazing 3D videos online these days. And I really appreciate that you're taking this time to hone your craft and keep your, keep your skills uh, from stagnating how's that Thank working you. out for you
1: uh it's the only thing keeping me sane honestly it's like it's it's a work thing i guess but it, it doesn't feel like work it's like i wake up in the morning i put on a, co- a pot of coffee and start programming and the next thing i know it'll be dinner time and it's like it's the only thing to get, like keeping me sane basically because as soon as i'm done programming it, it takes me like maybe a half hour of watching tv until i'm just completely bored. Um, yeah, so
0: it's <laughs> you've already made it to the end of Netflix. So you're like, okay, now it's time oh to my start god, Burger yeah. Man.
1: Yeah, I've made it to the end of Netflix like the first two weeks of
0: quarantine. So <laughs> <laughs> we can only watch so much Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh I have to admit that my my wife and I really enjoy some of your videos and we we're, we're kind of treating it as our own little uh isolation concerts. It's like we get to go to a concert without paying for parking, we don't have to buy tickets. <laughs> yeah. We just we put it on uh we put it on full screen and we we don't get dressed up or anything. We're still in our sweats, but uh we're I feel like we're watching with the entire world through our little <laughs> screens and it's it's really we're really thankful.
1: Oh, thanks man. That's so nice to hear. Yeah, it's um I actually I've I've been worried that like sometimes I'm posting, I'm like man, I'm posting a new thing every day. Everybody's probably like this dude's so obnoxious. Like does not he just take a break? Um, but that's really nice to hear that, uh, that you're enjoying it. I hope other people are enjoying it. I was
0: really you know, happy was- to see your submissions show up in the Ayrton and Buster, which was very amazing, and I look forward to seeing even more.
1: Thanks. Yeah, that I have a... Well, so I'm going to do that Eye of the Tiger one that you had uh, you'd hit me up and s- asked if I could do a video for Eye of the Tiger. That one's crazy. That's an all Ayrton rig, and then I also have a second all Ayrton rig that was that one that I posted. That's I think I'm gonna do Black Sabbath for that because it's like a hand, kind of like a hand of Doom thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, but those 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 two are taking a little while because I'm I'm trying to do video for both of those as well. And I, I have this kind of uh, my workflow is pretty fakakta right now for uh, adding in video. <laughs> it's I have like a real ass backwards way of doing it in MA3D. And then I'm also working on getting the D three Evo workflow going, which is where you like Run D three as your video server, and then NDI the video output of MA three D into D three and overlay the two. It's a whole. It's a whole thing.
0: <laughs> I definitely want to get into that, but I want to tie that into the fact that your entire story is kind of backwards. You,
1: oh yeah, big time.
0: <laughs> so the the vast majority of us, we all start uh, either in a shop or as a stagehand, and then we work our way up to, uh, like a stage manager or something. And then we get to behind the console or as we're a crew chief, and then we learn the console and vice versa. But you seem to have done it completely backwards.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So long story short, I've been, um, my dad is a guitar player. There's always guitars around the house, probably around when I was seven or eight years old, he got, frustrated with me just picking up guitars and strumming open strings and just strumming nonsense basically and him and my mom were like maybe we should give him some lessons so i started doing guitar lessons at one point i was really good by the high school i was like a shredder i could like play the whole solo from angel of death and all that shit and i was i was really into it um got to college i went to drexel university for uh music technology and you know audio recording and all that stuff um there was no room in the dorm room to rehearse a band. Um, so I got into like DJing and making electronic music. And then by my, so that's 2009, my freshman year of college. And then by sophomore year, all of a sudden this EDM thing was happening. And uh, I was like, all right, this got kind of mainstream and lame in one sense, but at the same time, like, this is cool. Cause I'm making electronic music and that's what's popular now. So then I like, you know, it was almost a thing just to keep me busy from freshman year until I figured like sophomore year, I could get my own apartment, maybe have space for a band to rehearse. But, um, I just ended up going into it head on. And I, I was actually pretty successful. I put out five albums. Um, I was fairly big locally. I never did like any major tours or anything like that, but, um, yeah, I had a bit of a following, um, and, but you know, I wasn't making enough money off doing that to like pay my rent or anything. So by the time I graduated, I needed to figure out something real. This um, so job had like a biomedical company, but, uh, just as like an administrative assistant, like I, I found it off like Craigslist, uh, did that for six months, really, really hated it. Um, so I had, a. I went to one of the clubs that I had DJ at frequently and I was friendly with all the people that worked there. Um, and I just went to the owner and I was like, Hey, can I be a bar back? And he just kind of laughed and he was like, you're really good with your computer. Um, we need a second lighting person. Cause they, they basically had two clubs. Um, and there was one lighting programmer and you know, if the clubs weren't open on the same night, then he would just go to whatever one's open. But for when they did have both clubs open each night, he would kind of just bring in different friends and stuff. And it, it didn't always go great. So especially cause these are DJ clubs. So you're the lighting guy, but you're the, you're the PM essentially PM meaning that like you set up the CDJs and make sure they're linked together and then like run Resolume and make sure like the sound system's on, but you know, it's pretty, pretty light in every aspect other than the lighting. Um, yeah. So I did that for like three years. <laughs> and but honestly the whole time I was so set on still being a musician and my like DJ stuff. And and I was drinking a lot and partying a lot because I only had to work Fridays and Saturdays. And I was like, okay, this is sick. And then I just worked like, which is also kind of why it's, I like jumped right back into like working and programming during this downtime all day. Because that was what I used to do from when I was 22 to 25, basically. I would sit at home Monday or uh, Sunday through Thursday and just work in Ableton like 10 or 12 hours a day sometimes longer. Um, I was really set on being successful as a musician. So I just wanted to get into that. Um, and then, yeah, I would just work on the weekends. Um, and I, I had just no interest in learning how the lighting board worked or any of that. It was all pre-programmed. He just basically showed me what buttons I could hit to do what and what not to hit. Um, mm-hmm. Like to the point where it was like ridiculous. Like one night, the bottle server, um, the girls that did that, Wanted to take like a picture, and we had this like grid of LED lights above the dance floor, and the main server was like, "Hey, Drew, can you make the lights red?" And I was like, "I don't know how to do that." And I had to call the programmer and be like, "How do I make the lights red?" And he, this was like after I'd been working there for like two years, and he's like laughing, he's like, "Jesus Christ, dude!" So, so I didn't learn anything the whole time, which is a common theme in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, and then basically. Long story short, um, I am a very liberal person. I w- I've never been a big fan of Trump. I'm not, I've am not. i learned the hard way not to get into politics. But long story short, um, June 2016, it was about three years that I had been working at that club. And one night after work, we were all drunk, as we usually were. And the owner was a very into Trump guy. And I kind of just told him what I thought. And he goes... Uh, That's cool. You don't have a job anymore. So I got fired. I had like 300 bucks in my bank account. And I was like, this is really not good. So I applied to every production company in Philadelphia. I was like, I guess I'm going to do this lighting thing. So I never had any professional success doing anything else pretty much. Um, And I just like applied to this one place said, I knew how to program MA, which was obviously a lie. Um, And then they ended up hiring me as the video guy because I had Resolume on my resume. So I'd really just jumped in. They were like, we'll give you some lighting gigs, but mostly you're going to be doing video. But they knew I didn't know video at least. So at at least they knew that. Um, And then basically, within a couple of days, I I taught myself MA on a a very basic level. Um, And I had already been looking at the thing for three years. So I at least kind of knew where the buttons were and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I taught myself the basics of it in like two days from watching Cat Cabell's like YouTube stuff. Um, and then the funny thing is once I started messing with the effects generator, I realized that it's a, it's a LFO, it's low frequency oscillator, So it's exactly the same way that a synthesizer works. And then I was like, are you kidding me? This is, I've been not learning this thing for three years. And it's like exactly like all the stuff I do when I'm not at work with all the Ableton stuff. So,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> That is amazing. That is, <laughs> I've heard of people like you, and I've never really had a chance to sit down and chat. Yeah, there's a couple I,
1: of us. It. Lee Duck's like that, too, kind of, I think, but not not quite as ridiculous as my story. But he definitely comes at it from a MIDI perspective, too.
0: Because that is the, the complete opposite of what the story used to be. And in fact, what you're talking about used to be impossible.
1: Oh well it was still almost impossible to because so here's the thing I'm not gonna say what company I worked for anybody in Philly is gonna know because they know me anyway, but I, I basically like walked straight into a dumpster fire they they were like, oh, you don't know anything about video, you'll fit right in as our new lead video guy because nobody in here knows anything and it's uh that's all I'm gonna say on that but yeah basically you know there's still some gigs where they use me as a lighting guy so like I remember one particular gig where like um they had me go set up a rig at a boardwalk hall in atlantic city which is like a ten thousand person venue it was like a big arena one-off hip-hop thing it was like buster rhymes and ludicrous and um that was about six months into me working there and i was you know i, I still didn't know anything that cool on the console but i could like patch the show and make some effects and like make a make, make a decent looking show um but i really sucked as a crew chief and it was it took a lot of, it took, you know, pretty much until like maybe two years ago where I was actually like any, any way competent as a crew chief. Um, Cause I jumped in and I had to be like, you know, being an L1 or a B1 and crew chief and stuff. And these union stagehands smelled it on me in like two seconds. They were like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, do you? And I was like, no, I have no idea. But you know, it's, you figure shit out pretty quick when you're under the gun and you have no money and you gotta find a way to make money.
0: Right, but and I mean, you're the like, sort of guy who yeah. could like go to the, the MA on PC and then work your way around it and you're like, well no, now my programming skills are so good, now you need me. Like, yeah, you can't <laughs> <Right? didn't laughs> like me as a crew chief. It's because yeah. I wasn't designed to be a crew chief. I'm I'm a computer guy and I know that's how my brain works and I can and you're gonna need yeah. me exponentially more when I when I when I uh, hone those skills. And that's yeah, amazing. Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Um, But I still like at the same time, I mean, I'm very like blue collar kind of person, even though I am real into computers and stuff. Like I grew up doing landscaping. Um, I'm definitely not afraid of like a hard day's work and doing a lot of manual labor. So immediately, as soon as I got in, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I want to just be a console guy and like not like I wanted to learn all the crew chief stuff. And I wanted to learn how to be a stagehand. And so I, I did, you know, I learned the anybody can learn the basics pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, you learn the more advanced stuff as you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I was very set on like, it's cool that I can do all the computer stuff, but you know, everybody has their day in the sun to be a, you know, a designer or a programmer or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you can hang some lights and just be a stagehand, you can always get work except, except for when a pandemic ruins the world. <laughs> <Except But. laughs> when the pandemic has Really closed the world. Yeah, but um, yeah. So you know, I've I've definitely I feel like I've worked harder on that just to, how to like be a stagehand than anything over the last few years because the computer shit I can always just come home and do it at night and like that that part I have a lot of fun doing. Yeah, see, I you're kind of so. you're living
0: proof though. I get a lot of people saying that there's a difference between blue collar and white glove people, but you are you're kind of living proof that the blue collar computer yeah. guy is the new blue collar. You're like, no, I. I just took that motivation and that drive and I applied it to computer skills so that I don't have to uh, smash my knuckles any more than I have to.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely like, you know, I'll, if if you give me a choice, I'll definitely happily be on the consult and like be a stagehand, but you know, right. there's nothing that get like, especially, I mean, I'm 28, so I'm not even, I, I still think I'm young, but I'm not as young when I meet some of the younger guys now, but, uh, you know, sometimes you work with the older guys and it's like, I mean, there's there's a lot of, I mean, I don't know. There's there's no need to talk about it more. Everybody already knows how things are sometimes. But uh, yeah, nothing irks me more than like, if, I, if I'm working with a guy who's a bit older and he's like, sees me on the console and he's like, oh, you young kids don't know how to, you can't get your hands dirty or do anything. It's like, no, I'm so down to get my hands dirty and do stuff. Like, I, I hate that assumption that just because you're young and on the console, you don't know how to set anything up or do any kind of mechanical stuff you know
0: yeah they're, they're kind of upset at you they're like hey you did this you got to a level that i'm at way faster and easier than i did and i'm a lot of right. people you know and i'll i'll extend the olive branch as another person who who had to work a little harder i know that's why that's an unfair comparison but i mean no, I, no, my, no. my path took longer
1: yeah you no, didn't have
0: me. the luxuries that you have you have right exactly a console the, on your laptop at your house. For, right, for better, I mean that's worse.
1: that's the real difference is that it's like all like all this stuff I'm doing right now it's I mean, I have a command wing, but I could be doing it without a command wing. It's like all this stuff is just free and out there if you want to learn it basically, so
0: yeah but and you have YouTube videos galore <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, in you know, just a decade ago, if I wanted to learn a console, I had to either ask a friend to teach me or pay somebody or go to Agora Hills in l a right. and pay or I would have to wait for LDI, which came around once a year and then pay for that. And the resources that you have available to you are so much more abundant.
1: Yeah. And, and it's also the different learning styles too. I, I struggle a lot with, uh, I don't, I don't know. Cause I never got like diagnosed or anything, but I I'm pretty sure I have like pretty bad ADHD. Um, I like when I'm at work, I mean, I focus cause I have to focus and you got to do stuff safely and you got to, you completely eyes on everything. But otherwise, like, especially in school, I was never particularly good in school. I got like C's and D's cause I would just kind of drift off to, you know, I was always imaginative and in high school, I would like write down guitar lines and tablature on my notebooks and stuff. And next thing I know, I haven't been paying attention in class for 20 minutes and I'm still that same way. So the, the YouTube stuff is like, I've learned more, off YouTube than I think I ever really learned in the school. Cause when I have those moments, I can rewind and go back and that was never an option before. So there is all these gaps in my knowledge, uh, from traditional learning and then by learning stuff online through video courses where I can kind of take it at my own pace. I think I've, I've really uh, learned a lot more that way.
0: Well, if you get a chance, you really should go uh, see if you can get diagnosed with that one. There's uh, <laughs> yeah. I did a, I did a podcast recently with Roger, uh, yeah, I know TV's Roger. Design, and uh, we had a long discussion about ADHD and the benefits of uh, ADHD and design. If you had a chance, go listen to that one. Yeah, yeah, I,
1: I listened to it a while back. He's Roger's cool. We've been, uh, we've never met in person, but he actually rented uh, like a video wall from that company that I first worked at. Okay, which, like which was, like I said, not great. And that video wall was like really not great. Like it was, you had to fucking know black magic, not like the actual video company, but like you literally had to be a magician to make that thing work. So he called me a bunch of times on tour. Um, and it was, it was always funny like talking to him and being, cause like, I wouldn't even know how to fix it half the time. We'd have to both, I'd get it on Linson on my laptop and he'd be on Linson and the thing and we'd be solving all these weird problems that, you know, video walls are, uh, interesting but that one was pretty
0: bad so one of the things that i think is really interesting is that for me an old beat up piece of gear would be an old parkan. but for right. you when you're let's when you're say 41 42 you're gonna be looking back at oh, these old beat up video walls which is <laughs> i'm already saying that <laughs> yeah you're like ah oh, that video wall that thing's like ancient look at these guys using these old ancient video walls that's you know yeah right?
1: i'm even even the video walls from like five or 10 years ago versus the ones now are like night and day, especially more so the drivers than the video walls themselves. But like nowadays, if you just have a big square screen, you can just configure it off the driver. But um, yeah, it wasn't that way with the one I started with.
0: So now I want to get into one of the, what we were talking about is your, your workflow. So how do you, from, from first spark of conception to an idea of a song and a rig, to the YouTube video that you're finally ready to put online, fill me in on your your process.
1: Um, it happens different every time. Um, but on- honestly, those the process for those typically only takes like maybe two or three hours. But um, I, I guess the the main workflow is I use Ableton, which is the stuff I made electronic music in. Um, I made a MIDI like template for MA kind of. A while back to essentially aid in time coding stuff Um, I just I don't like doing time code because I have been sequencing with MIDI for my for since I was like 17 Um, and to me it makes more sense to sequence with MIDI and then basically I mean I can time code stuff without MIDI I just don't like doing it because I'd rather have the hits be completely automated by MIDI so In my perfect world, what I do is I time time code everything using MIDI. Don't actually involve any time code until the whole thing's done. And then from there, once it's all done, I just tell the time code to record, let the MIDI play, and let the MIDI drive everything. And then once the time code's recorded, you can take the MIDI out because it's taking the information from the MIDI and you don't need the MIDI anymore. Um, But yeah, so I'll drag a song into Ableton. um, I'll kind of you know, do the stuff everybody else does. I'll set like a mark queue as my first queue in a queue stack. Um, And then I'll uh, either I'll be using a rig that I've already built or I'll build a different rig. Um, But I I build rigs in MA3D pretty fast because I use a lot of the arrangement tools and like different 3D stuff. Um, I guess part of me being a video guy as well uh, lends itself to that because I'm real comfortable working in a 3D environment, like building the 3D stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll do that, get my rig built. Um, and then from there I just start, I just treat it like I'm writing songs pretty much. I mean, I have like, if I'm like busking live, you know, that's kind of a different thing, but none of those shows that I put up on YouTube or bus, they're all like big queue lists and like maybe some bumps and stuff. Um, and yeah, I basically, I start just building my queue list and I don't really ever, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have a, I guess one idea or like a climactic moment that I'm trying to get towards, but I, to to say, I mean, sometimes I'll have that in my head, but for me to say that I have like a real workflow like that would be lying. It's, I just, I sit down, I start from the first cue. I, you know, I'll, I'll bring it in however I want to bring it in and, and then, from there, i just kind of go cue by cue and and treat it like I'm writing like a guitar part basically to mm-hmm. like if somebody came to me and they had a song and they were like, "Can you play some lead guitar on this?" you know I'd just kind of start adding things as they feel like they should be added and to try to uh, you know I'm real into the the vocal and uh you know bringing out the kind of the emotion of the the songwriter I guess um so I'd kind of just follow my feel and intuition and kind of just um make what comes naturally pretty much okay
0: and so because you're actually importing the song you're actually looking at the spikes and the valleys and you're knowing there definitely needs to be a a hit here and here and you can actually see it exactly where it belongs Uh,
1: kind of well so i can i i more hear those things than see them but at the same time it's i mean yeah i I went to school for audio editing and I've, i've spent Way more time in front of Ableton editing audio than I have in front of MA it's still. Um, although at this point, I think it's probably getting close. I've probably been using MA for almost as long as I've been using Ableton. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, c- I can read audio like that. Like I, c- I can look at the spikes and kind of know where stuff is. But um, yeah, more of that, I I go by just hearing where I want something to happen. And then I'll just kind of pause the track real quick, add a MIDI note, and then add a corresponding cue in MA.
0: Okay. And so after you've been doing something a few times over and over again, you're like, man, I should really make a macro out of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's how I approach all my macros is I, I don't like sit down and I'm like, oh, I want to design a cool macro today. I just wait until I've done something so many times that it's stupid and it's obvious that I should make a macro and then I just make the macro of it.
0: And how does that usually start? What do you... Obviously you're just trying to recreate what you've done over and over again. But are you yeah. are you going online to see if somebody's already built that macro? Are you trying to import it? Are you trying to
1: um no? So that's a different I I also like I only started having my own show file like maybe a year and a half ago. Before that, I would build a new show file every single day. Or like oh, every man. single show rather. Um and I do the same thing with, I, I got that from, that was how I used to do sound design. I would never save presets. I would just redesign whatever patch I wanted to do every single day. Um, Cause I believe that you got to put in your 10,000 hours and you got to do something over and over and over again until you, you don't have to ever think about what you have to do. You just do it. Um, but then eventually i was like all right well i'm never gonna get anywhere if i'm just starting a new show every single day <laughs> yeah. but um but i did that i for think like your 10,000 hours too. starts
0: over if you keep doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again
1: <laughs> yeah you might be right but yeah i um you know just repetition really um but i, I don't uh, getting back to what you said i i don't really look to see if other people have done the macro um i have a couple close friends that i i talk to uh, in philly that are also lighting designers that like I'll bounce ideas off them and stuff. Or, you know, if, if I'm trying to do a macro and I can't figure out a certain part of it, I'll post in like one of the user groups to see if somebody can figure it out. But overall, I, I try to just do it all myself. Cause if, you know, if you just go online and get somebody to give you a macro, that's cool. Um, until you really need it. And then the client's saying, no, you need to change this to that. And why don't you know how to do that? And, although nobody's ever like that much of a dick. Usually I, it's, that's like in my head. I always imagine the client's going to be like, you piece of shit. You said you could do this and you don't know how to fucking do this. What the fuck? And that's never happened once, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, I'm, I'm afraid of that happening. So I want to know how it all works myself.
0: Do you find any hiccups with MA2 dealing with MIDI?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, yes and no. It's just not, it's not like it was very clearly like an afterthought. Um, that's one of my big things for MA3 that i <laughs> I have like a list of grievances, like Mr. Costanza in uh, Seinfeld. I wanna like mm-hmm. go knock down the door at MA, be like, I got I got some grievances for you. But uh <laughs> like overall the platform is obviously amazing, but I just I think that like it's very clearly designed. Like there's a very important element for time code. Like there's a lot of different stuff you can do with time code. And I just wish there was that much um workflow stuff relating to midi as well because like midi is midi is essentially like a dimmer sheet like when you go into the remote input setup it's like just you have x amount of midi notes you tell us like one-to-one patch what they're gonna do and that's what it is forever and if you want to change it you got to go into the remote input setup and like like i can't one thing that would be simple is just to like okay keep that same remote input setup but then make like a midi inputs pool or something. And then I could have, you know, one preset in that pool would be a whole configuration for the remote inputs. And then a second one could be a whole different one. And then, you know, you open up a lot more flexibility that way. Um, and then the same thing with how they have the option to do internal timecode. And, uh, you know, you use that as a timecode source. I feel like there should be some sort of internal MIDI sequencer that's based around uh, beats and beats per minute rather than like timecode frames. Um, ideally, essentially what I want to do is I want to be able to do what I can do in Ableton, which is to say I want to make a loop. I want it to be one bar or four bars or whatever it is I want it to say sync to this tempo and then I want to input the MIDI notes but instead of it being MIDI notes it could be executor hits um, and I want to be able to just like draw a loop real fast in MA make this sequence basically and then just let that loop play back or maybe give me an executor to hit that loop so that if I'm just tapping the one executor key, it's making the whole loop of execs fire. Um, I don't think that would be that hard to do. I just, I don't, I I realize that I like come from lighting in this real oddball way. And like a lot of lighting guys might not um, be as into like MIDI sequencing as I am. So maybe it's just a thing that nobody ever brought up, but I, I think it would be really cool.
0: No, I've heard quite a few people ask for things like this, and they've had to really get some third-party software in to make it happen. Yeah, and the first name that comes to to mind was AJ Penn when it came to Lincoln Park. He was, I mean, he was taking the full MIDI input from the band and running it back out through the. I don't think it was an MA though, but uh, I think he used
1: the M one right. The yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I would love to do is like have a show where I can you know get triggers from all the midi and stuff um but you know i think it'll get there soon eventually
0: i, I wasn't there to actually overhear this one but i believe that it was it was prince who had had a, a long discussion with his ld at the time saying why can't my midi notes do what you're doing so i don't even need you
1: and, <laughs> that he, sounds he, like he something basically would, say. He would
0: want, he's like hey look every time i hit the drum i want this to happen and every time and I want it to happen exactly when I hit the drum. And right. I, I want to be able to have a MIDI note on every keyboard. I want a MIDI note on every guitar. And I want every time the guitar happens, I want this exactly to happen. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're pushing for is too. You're like, I just want to hung yeah. in, put my markers in Ableton, and then upload it to the MA and it just does what I've already told it to do
1: right exactly i mean that's even like sometimes that's especially the cool thing you can do with midi time coding is ableton has a feature where you can take audio and convert it to midi and you kind of it gives you three options it's like am i looking for harmony am i looking for melody or am i looking for drums so that uh that video i posted the drake song the other day Mm -hmm. had like a really crazy pocket drum beat where like it's real like kind of off the grid and like swings a lot um and I was like, all right, I know if I want to like draw in hits to line up with this drum beat, it's going to take forever because it's not like I can just, you know, do a snare on the two and four and a kick on the one. Like it's like this crazy swung beat. So I just took the song, um, did a MIDI to drums analysis, and then kind of cleaned up the MIDI a bit until I basically had one MIDI note for the hi-hat hit, one for the snare hit, and one for the kick drum. And then I just made um, three execs in MA that were like, I think the x 4s flashed on the kick, the JDCs is flashed on the snare. And then I made this like four step uh, thing with the pointies where like it would kind of go out in, like a grid. Then that went with the hi-hat. And then I just like played it back and I was like, yeah, there we go. That's like, <laughs> like from there, all I had to do was basically just make like a main key stack with like color changes and like some other like less momentary type programming. But yeah it was as simple as like just converting the midi to drums or converting the drums to midi and then just making the midi hit exacts
0: you just came up with a digital way to recreate what i've seen other people do on complex drums drum uh, solos sometimes they'll bring out the drummer and just give him five buttons on the console and you're like okay so play your drums right here on the console exactly the way you would up there right it sounds like you just did that digitally
1: yeah, I mean, it's cool doing it digitally too, though, because then I could, like, every once in a while, if there's like a different hit, I want to be like a different accent. I can just take that same MIDI note and like move it up to a different MIDI note and then make a corresponding exec that only happens every once in a while. And it's, it gives you all this. I, that's what, that's my gripe with time code, basically, is like, I have a pretty good sense of rhythm. So time coding stuff isn't that difficult for me. And ideally, you should be doing your time codes where you're hitting every single button because if the time code fails and you got to do it yourself, you should be able to do that. Right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, it's, I'm never going to get it that exact. And then even if I do, I'll never be able... Well, no, you can edit time code and like go back and change stuff. But it's, I just, you know, it's a whole thing. And it's not as a, I don't know. its I just, I've been using Ableton for so long that it's like, it's so easy for me to look at that and like know exactly where I need to be in the song. Whereas with time code, it's, it's a little different, but at the same time, that's, you know, it's, that's not like a perk. I think that's like one of my weaknesses as a lighting designer. Like I need to, I need to be better with time code, but you know, it'll get there. Uh,
0: Have you been out on the road long enough to have to clone major rigs into festival rigs and stuff like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was, so I only, I've only done one tour as an LD um, it was it was with Tom Morello this past uh, winter. I've done like four tours total, but that was my first one uh, doing lights instead of video. And we had, um, I mean, we basically only carried a ground package, so I'd have to clone. When we were in rehearsals, I I programmed um, like a clone show, basically using a grid that was meant to be clones um, for all my spots and stuff. And then um, you know we'd clone it into different venues every day, and then. The times where really got you know where I really needed to get good cloning practices was doing um, Halloween and then we did a show at Red Rocks like the next day and those were both like pretty big rigs but I mean I luckily I'd been doing cloning before just because just you know I learned it through doing like local shows probably like two years ago I guess. Um, and it's you know I knew it was a thing that I needed to have before I even thought about going out on the road as LD. So I got pretty good with it at home, and then um, it was nice to go on tour and be doing these big festivals and like big biggest rigs I've ever worked on in my life. And like you know, I, luckily for those festivals, they both had the patch and stuff for the, for us in advance. So I built like a 3D rig in my hotel room the day before for both of them. Uh, and they already had a 3D rig built, which was really nice. And then I did all the cloning as much as I could at the hotel in MA3D. And then I just showed up and I was like, all right, what actually works, what doesn't. But I I think another cool thing about doing MA3D a lot is that if you think about it, it's MA3D is more than just like a visualizer tool. It's the console telling you what it sees. That's what the console thinks, thinks is going on. So if you have a good relationship between knowing how to set it up in MA3D and with the console to make it accurate to real life, that's when 3D really becomes useful. Cause then you can really walk in and, and like, and that was, what was, you know, really uh, gratifying for me on that tour was like building the stuff in 3D and then being like, I hope this <laughs> works as well as I think it's going to work. And then I show up and I'm like, Oh yeah, this all worked perfectly. Like this, you know, I, when we showed up to Red Rocks, I think I it only took me like two minutes to like, I just had to adjust my positions basically um, to real life, which you'll always have to do like positions and focuses and stuff. But other than that, like all the cloning and stuff I, I had already done I just loaded it up and it all worked. So
0: that is such an uplifting story. Those are the days that I feel the most accomplished myself is when I come into a show and uh, the front of house uh, system engineers, they're really nervous. Like, Oh God, I hope this guy's going to be <laughs> impressed. I hope we're going to, we're, we're not going to be here all freaking day. You load yeah. up your USB stick, you load it up and everything just magically works because you put the time in in your hotel room. Those are the days I feel like I did everything right and they did everything right and so we have more time to to fuck around basically. Yeah, totally. And that's
1: that's one of the things I love about uh doing just touring stuff too is like the cloning stuff and having different gobos <laughs> every day and the different this and that and like Seeing how the whole show plays out with a slightly different, or sometimes a very different rig, but still like as long as your programming is good and your cloning is good, you can make essentially the same show happen. But you know, you'll still have different spots and different gobos and all that fun stuff. And it's it's really fun to me to go you know venue to venue and see the different changes. That's that's like my favorite part of it right now.
0: I can already hear some of the people that are listening at this point. Some of the older even older than myself, people just kind of listen to you and go like, well, he clearly doesn't know the fundamentals. He doesn't know how to light the money. He doesn't know all these things. I know how things. key light works. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it for myself. I'm saying it. That I, I've seen no, the same yeah. complaint many times. Like, oh, these young kids, they don't know this and they don't know that and they don't know color temperature. But it sounds like that it didn't seem to slow you down in any way. You're like, no, I'll, I just pick it up. I I found what I like. I found what works. I found what my, I, yeah. I'm still getting hired. So I'm clearly doing what my, what my clients want me to do.
1: Well, so I, I will say I, d- I definitely learned the importance of key light in like a crash course. I was, uh, when I first started freelancing, I, w- I was filling in for a friend as the lighting director at the, uh, MGM down in uh, DC and, um, you know, we had a lot of show. I was calling spots. That was my first time really calling spots and all that kind of stuff. And learning key light, learning CTO, CTB, and all that. But luckily, I have a lot of friends that worked doing film stuff and lighting for films. So I was already kind of aware of color correction due to just talking to them. Um, and yeah, I mean, that stuff, it's not that hard to learn. It's, you know, look on YouTube, three-point lighting, four-point lighting. Now I'm like, I'd, I'm i really big on kind of like having key light booms from like the side light stuff, which you'll probably see in a lot of my 3D designs. There's always like just a couple booms with like three Mac auras on them. And I use that for all my key light. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that stuff's like, you, I was definitely guilty of that. Like my first year as an LD, just being like all, all my lights were basically just effect lights and like, you know, all the key light stuff was such an afterthought. But now I basically, I kind of think of key light first and get that out of the way in the design. And then from there, then I'll... Because it, it is all about lighting the money at the end of the day. Like you gotta, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you can see them. But that's, I mean, that's kind of the fun thing too, is like playing with... You don't always have to see the money. You, you need to be able to see the money, but, you know, you could play with like silhouettes and fun stuff like that. And that, that's like my favorite thing to do sometimes is to like every once in a while, like most of the time have the key light up, but then like if it's a really moody part, maybe only do backlight and have everything be completely silhouetted or like if it's a really intense part, maybe do like a chase with the key light lights so you can still see them. But it's, yeah, it's like, it's all, you know, there's, there's different ways to approach everything, but I'm I'm most definitely unconventional for sure.
0: It sounds like you've taken all the lumps that a a more seasoned LD has taken, but you've just taken them (laughs) in a very condensed amount of time.
1: Yeah. I I often joke that that first job I had um, after the club, I like, just did nothing but eat shit for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I basically, <laughs> I had a really hard time, you know, obviously. Yeah. How how else would you if you jumped into all this stuff without knowing how any of it worked and then suddenly you're just like, but you know, I had to pay my bills and I had to, I, it was also like just seeing any progress. Like I, I really hadn't, besides my music, I hadn't made any progress with anything in my life. And I was like 25 and I was like, what am I doing? It's everything's not going great so as soon as i got like a small taste of progress i was like i don't care if i gotta eat shit for like five years straight which like in some ways i did in some ways i didn't um you know i was like this is this is something this isn't determined by cool points which was my big frustration with all the dj stuff by the time that i really got out of it i was like felt like i was spending all these hours and hours and hours learning sound design and it ultimately would just come down to like Oh, but do you look cool? Do you have some like cool t- moves to like jump off the DJ table or whatever when the drop hits? That shit was so lame. I was like, I just want to work hard and be rewarded for working hard. Mm-hmm. And I found that in lighting really fast. And I was like, all right, well, no matter how much shit I got to eat, I know at the end of the day, if I stick with this, I'll be able to pay my bills. And one day, maybe I'll be pretty good at it. And, you know, so <laughs> just gotta just gotta do it. You have a real bad day come home, crack open a beer or something. It's not that fucking bad. Then I just get up the next day and keep doing it.
0: Right on, Drew. This is a a very inspiring story. It makes me feel really good about the the 28-year-olds who are coming in because uh, I'm just at the age where I used to be the 28-year-old who could do things that other people couldn't. And now I'm just at the level where I'm I'm the MA2 guy, and I, I know the MA2 very well. But even now, I'm like I'm already hesitant about learning MA3 because now I have to start <laughs> all too. over again. And uh, I'm sure that you're going to be right there on the list of people very soon. That you're going to be like, well. I know how to do all this, and I've been with the band for 40 years, but I don't know how to do this. <laughs> I'm going to bring in another guy. I'm oh, gonna come in Drew, he's going to help me out. And it sounds like you're in a very good position to be to start uh, taking some gigs.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping when this all comes back, I, I was, I was actually supposed to be doing like a huge tour, um, with like a, I was going to be doing video on that, but still it was like, we were going to be doing Coachella and headlining a bunch of different, really big shows. And I was like, man, I'm really feeling like I made it. And then on day (laughs) 1.1.5 of prep, like right after I finished my rack and it was like my, my video rack was looking pristine for this gig. And then, like, literally, as soon as I like tied the last cable, they were like, Hey guys, uh, we're flying you back home. This all just got, everything's canceled. <laughs> so,
0: whatever.
1: <laughs> oh. uh, you know, it's, I can't get mad about it. It's literally everybody in the whole world's going through it. Right? Yeah. All I can do is hope to stay healthy and then uh, this thing will be over whenever it's over. And then when it is, we'll all get back to doing what we do.
0: Yeah. It was a really big rug that pull- got pulled out from all of us. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a really all encompassing rug
1: yeah it's but you know that's why i'm just like if i think about it too much i just get like anxiety and i'm like it's so out of our control there's nothing we can do about it so what i can do is hang out on my computer and keep learning new stuff so that's i'm just going to do that and then uh you know hopefully this thing will be over sooner than later
0: right on thank you so much for your time dude this has been a great uh, great time to chat absolutely thank you for having me Absolutely.